0: has access to so it's not like he's like but i think if we can foster enough goodwill we could live <laughs> side by side with the governor for our whole lives is not glenn's end goal here raise our children together be yeah, friends hold call. hands skip through daisies that's we entirely can do, what
1: glenn is proposing we can
0: bring in the harvest together every year
1: uh, <laughs> what is that what is that thing the maypole yeah they do have yes
0: maypole. we can dance the maypole every every May Day. we can dance. Um, one to in- yes yeah. Welcome to Don't Podcast Dead Inside because when you look at us, all you see is just another dead podcast. I'm Margot Connolly, and I'm Simi Me and this is a show rewatching The Walking Dead, spoiler free
1: from the beginning, and also talking about our first unhappy reunion uh, because yeah, we don't really love when Andrea comes back. She's not welcomed with open arms except by Carol
0: because of course today we're talking about season three, episode eleven, "I Ain't a Judas," written by Angela Kang and directed by Greg Nicotero. Uh, and it originally aired on February 24th, 2013. And the, I think this is the IMDb synopsis is, as Rick and the group debate their next course of action, Andrea tries to negotiate with them. <laughs> Meanwhile, the governor prepares Woodbury for battle. Uh, <laughs> which is, I guess, not inaccurate. But it leaves out some of the stuff I like best. Oh <laughs> my like, yeah, yeah, well, talk about
1: this episode. What What do you think of this episode? What do you like best about this episode?
0: Oh, I like it. You know, I think there's some really good, um, like, I love watching them trying to figure out how to integrate Merle into this group. I love how it's not working. <laughs> 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 and, um, and I just think there's some, like, really, I love the Andrea reunion. I think it's super good. And, like... It's really fun to watch them having to navigate this like first moment of like, I don't know this person anymore. And I thought I really did on both sides, Andrea and uh, the group, which, uh, which I appreciate. And it's and you know, some of the stuff that got planted earlier in the season is starting to like bear fruit, which is exciting and a good like lead up to the back end, you know, of the season, because how many episodes are in this season? Sixteen. Yeah, so we're in, like, the final stretch of five after this one, and it's set up a lot of really good things in terms of, like, Milton and the governor betrayal conflict and Tyrese and these people that you should have been nicer to that are (laughs) now going to come bite you in the butt and, you know, all these little bits and Andrea and the situation at the prison is so clearly untenable Uh, it's just set us up really well for like, what comes next, I think, in in terms of we know there's a really big problem, and it has to get solved. And they don't know how to solve it.
1: Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan, as we already know, of Angela Kang. And this is one of those episodes that just makes me go, this is why like, I'm a big fan of Angela Kang. Um, I love like, I love a lot of the Andrea Michonne stuff. Um, I'll be Mm -hmm. super honest, that scene for me just like, it just rips. I just love it so fucking much. Um, I love that we finally get like a moment with them of really like seeing each other and like how dramatic these lesbians are because they are super dramatic and it's really lovely. Um, The staging in particular, when we get to it, I'm very excited to talk about, but I'm also really excited about like the, The stakes that haven't really dropped around how Rick is handling this trauma um, Mm. and how they're dealing with that um, as a group and in the episode, like I love how that's not really dropped and how we will continue to see like this question of his leadership and and how it will uh, and, and if it is effective. Um, And if he can continue the way he's been continuing, I like that how she's keeping that ball in the air for us. And I also love all of the fucking Carol and Andrea shit. I know, Carol
0: Carol has a great episode and there's some stuff cut from this episode that's Carol specific that is also amazing. Oh my God, Uh you sent it to me and I
1: like fucking flipped my mind. I was just like, yes, yes. yes." Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a
0: fantastic Carol episode and she's not even the focus of many of these moments like you know but she's like really killing it so yeah shall we dive in
1: let's go let's
0: go i love well and it's funny too cuz we haven't recorded for a while and uh i haven't you know i rewatched the episode today to remind myself of it and i was like oh thanks team that i'm glad that the episode also starts with a summary of like <laughs> our current predicament <laughs> Thanks for reminding me of the stakes, you guys. Like, good job.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it has been like a month since we've recorded. So uh, this is, uh, it was a very good reminder. We like open in this moment where they're arguing about like, what should we do and
0: how should we do it? And what's going to happen? And it's all very like intense. Well, but but, like the very top of it is just them being like, the ammo, the walkers, the fence. Like it's all the logistics of like, the prison's in danger, you guys. But Rick's back. (laughs) In charge, and it is interesting because, like, Glenn seems to be like flip flopping a little bit. Where he starts and he's wholeheartedly behind Rick, he's like, Listen to Rick. And I was like, Oh, maybe this is him realizing last episode that like the being in charge stuff fucking sucks and he doesn't want to do it. Mm. But it's great because they're having this argument, and I love the reveal, which is Merle is in a cell behind them while they have this like kind of personal argument of their own safety. And he's just picking at them <laughs> like, when they're like, we can't go outside anymore. The snipers, this and that, the other thing. And Merle's in the cell just like throwing shit like, well, yeah, better to live like rats. <laughs> like, way, way to make friends and influence people, Merle. <laughs> like
1: yeah he's uh he's he's making himself at home and reminding us why he was never gonna be able to be in this family long term um because this is the kind of shit he does uh and he's you know he's a hammer as they say uh or as the governor likes to say uh, maggie even yells at merle for being a dick about stuff and it's just like you know shut the f- like i can't even remember what she yeah. said
0: well but- it's fascinating because he like you know he's talking shit at them and rick is like do you have a better idea than our ideas to stop us from getting sniped to death and merle's like yeah we should have been out of here last night which i'm also like thanks merle thanks for telling us that this morning that's really useful sure you didn't tell anybody this last night so good job he's just like fanning this panic i love this moment where Maggie just takes a moment and she's like, let's lock him in the other cell block. Cause I don't think he's like making himself at home in that cell. I'm pretty sure they put him in there and he's locked in. And because Maggie is like, let's put him in the other cell block. And I'm like, yeah, Maggie, let's put him in the other cell block where we don't live. Put him where the prisoners (laughs) were. Like do it. Uh, And also while all this is happening, Michonne is cleaning her sword and staring at Merle, which I also love. Yeah. And Maggie gets fucking pissed too. Cause Daryl is like, well, Merle's right. And Maggie loses it on Merle, too, and is just yelling about how he started this. Mm-hmm. Like, the governor would have never known they were there if Merle hadn't kidnapped them. And good for Beth, because Beth kind of breaks in and is like, it doesn't matter, like, who started it. We're fucked. Like, what are we going to do?
1: The Greens are struggling, and, and Herschel is trying to, like, calm everybody down and bring everybody together and, like, and have it, it all work out. And Rick literally starts walking away from him.
0: Yeah, because I don't know that... I don't think Herschel is trying to calm everybody down. I think he's pissed. I think he's pissed at this moment about what just went down outside, that, like, Rick was, like, outside the fence, like, not there when they got attacked, like, started to pull it back together, but wasn't ready in in first impulse, right? Mm-hmm. And that he was saying last episode that he wanted to leave, and now Axel's dead. Like, Herschel seems like a little bit at the end of his rope with this stuff. And yeah, Rick starts to run away and Herschel yells at him.
1: (laughs) I fucking love it. He's like, you know, you were the one who said, this is not a democracy. You have to own up to that. Um, And you have to get your head clear and do something. Yeah. Um, And I just want us to put an asterisks around uh, the word clear for next episode, because next episode is titled clear, which I don't think is a spoiler, but let's just, you know, put little words around that.
0: Yeah, and I think it is really interesting here, too, that, like, Herschel is, I think, the only person that has a full idea of how compromised Rick is. Because last at the end of last episode, right, Rick was explaining how he's seeing Lori. And so I think Herschel is the one who, like, really has an idea of, like, you need to get... This is not just, like, you're wandering off alone because you're upset. You are literally not fully present and you got to get fully present and you got to help us because you're in charge and if you're not going to be in charge you need to do something else and we need someone else to step up but we don't have anyone else to step up except maybe now we do because daryl's back but yeah i think that field thing i think him like being stuck in that field while the walkers came and not able to like fully run away or fully protect himself got to herschel um
1: well, and sure. the fact that like the whole like Rick Tater thing was fine because Rick was keeping his family safe. His family has not been safe. Um, and that's not okay for for Herschel in this moment either. Um, so yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's definitely like being stuck in the field. And it's also like, OK, my one of my daughters was kidnapped and the other, you know, and, and one of them also had to like shoot somebody last episode. And like, that's not great. None of this is great. Rick, fix this. You were the one who says it's not a democracy. What the fuck is wrong with you? Get it together, man.
0: Well, and poor them. Their gentle Georgian prison aesthetic is ruined. It's <laughs> full of walkers. And Rick, you know, after this blowout with Herschel goes out and is scanning the field. Maybe for the governor's people. But also maybe for Lori, like there's a flicker of something, but no full Lori apparition. And then like Carl. Oh my God, comes Carl. Comes up to be with him. <laughs> it's so good, though. I love this interaction. Because, and part of it is I love it because Carl is still clearly like really struggling. And is acting like he is a 45-year-old man in a Western. Like he walks up. <laughs> And Rick's like, you shouldn't be out here. And Carl doffs his cap. He's wearing a sheriff's hat and he takes it off and kind of like holds it in front of him. And he's like, I'm a good shot. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're, he, it's like he's trying to be one of the adults and not 100% there. But uh, but uh, he has something to important to communicate. Like, you know, he's approaching with like seriousness and he's just like, you should stop. Like, you should stop being the leader. Let Herschel and Daryl handle things. You deserve a rest. I can't even imagine like how it must feel for Rick to hear this when Carl is the one who's like, he can't die and he can do anything and my dad will save us. And now it's like, maybe you can't like, maybe you got to step down. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I'll also say like
1: for all of his wisdom or whatever that that a child might have, like his tone in this scene, I've always found particularly interesting because it's it's very authoritative. And it's yeah. very, it's not like a soft ginger, you know, you should take a step down. It's a you should stop being the leader. Yeah, um, let let Daryl and, and Herschel run things. That's it. And yeah. like, it's just it's, it has no wavering and no no kid like quality to it at all. And so it's it feels really harsh coming from Carl in this moment.
0: It's fascinating. Well, and just like the impact, I think just tracking, like, what is the impact that all of these things are having on Rick? I don't know that we see the full outcome right now, but it's coming, right? All of these Mm -hmm. are little seeds for that. He's going to have to step up or step down and he doesn't know yet what he's going to be able to do. And then we go back to Woodbury and I do actually like this, right? Because we're, we get a little peek at the logistics of governing, Right. Milton is there with like all this paperwork and figures of how many people live in Woodbury. And in a way, I really like this makes so much sense to me because Milton must be so much more comfortable with numbers and paper than people. But it doesn't mean that he's not in his own way, like invested in this community and aware of what's happening in the community. You know, he's so nimble with this paperwork of like we have this many people in this shape, we have this, if we add these people, we get this many, uh, you know, that really worked for me.
1: Yeah, I really, I I liked this scene a lot because it also showed, I mean, it shows a lot about Milton, especially because Milton, we, at, at, sometimes we're not really sure what side he's on in terms of what he thinks, um, the governor's doing wrong versus right. And in this scene, it's a, it's very clear to me that like, he, he likes, he likes knowing things. He likes knowing numbers and doing that and he also but he also does push back at certain things. Like he does push back at like adding the boys and girls and the governor's yeah. like adolescence it's a 20th well, century invention.
0: But here's the thing that I find interesting about that cuz right what they're doing with the paperwork is they're figuring out who do they have that's in fighting shape. Only 20, you know, just regular standard ready to go people. 26 if they include people with chronic health conditions. 35 if they include people over 15 and the governor and Milton is like girls and boys because the governor calls them men and women but let's also note he's not saying we shouldn't do that he's pointing out that they are girls and boys but he doesn't say let's not but when the governor is like adolescence is a 20th century convention they're men and women he doesn't fight back on that at all also I hate this fucking rationale from the governor it's so gross especially from a cult leader perspective, I'm like, no, no, they are not women. Those are girls. Those are boys. Um, But there is like, you know, for me, this is just another really small way of tracking, like how far he's totally slipping. Cause like, how old is Penny? Like maybe 12, you know, he, I don't think he would have argued that she was almost a woman uh, Mm -hmm. if she were still alive, but she's not. And so there are no children anymore. They're all dead. And it is an interesting thing. Like, you know, I think we get that we've gotten this number before and we get it again later in the episode that there are 70 people in Woodbury. And it is, you know, interesting that over half of them are too old or too young to help in an armed conflict.
1: It is. uh, This is like a a tangent, but um, I do remember doing this research about about adolescence and about like the term teenager, which really wasn't a word um, that people responded to in any particular way until the 50s. And I do find that yeah, it's fascinating. As a marketing thing. As a marketing thing. And specifically, that's when we started to get films that were specifically about teenagers, but also like teenagers. Anyway, it's just, it's a very fascinating history. Oh, it
0: it's the first moment in which teenagers have disposable, like there's an age group that has specific disposable income mm. that people can get because they're no longer working to support their family with their like little sweatshop dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So it's, like, that is the first generation in which they start, like, really seeing teens as not full adults because they don't have to pay for the stuff adults pay for, but they do have income. And we can get that income if we, you know, that's where young adult literature starts to come in. Mm -hmm. Um, If we, like, start gearing, like, books and locations like diners and, like, soda shops and dances and stuff like that towards this group that has like disposable income we will get more money than if we treat them as children or as adults
1: yeah it's just it's
0: fascinating and
1: capitalism capitalism is great um and you know the the natural transition from capitalism is andrea entering really mad so that works um It doesn't work at all. I uh, couldn't figure out how Andrea got in the building, but she comes in and she's real fucking mad. um And and well, the, yeah,
0: she found out they went to the prison. I'm sure that the same thing happened where she was like, "Huh, why are there all these bullet holes in this vehicle?" Because they did have like a full on snipe fight. Like you know, it's not like they came back totally unscathed. uh
1: well, and they came back without at least one person because Maggie yeah. shot somebody last episode, and so, so it's
0: like you know not going to be able to be kept secret for long that they were at the prison. So, like, clearly the second that she found out they were at the prison, she storms in and she's like, you said you weren't going to the prison, Andrea, <laughs> you dummy.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to note, though, like, how good he is. Like, like he doesn't sweat this at all. He is not on his, like, on, on his defenses at all. He's like, we went to negotiate. I don't know who these people were when you were with them, but they're bloodthirsty now. And like, I know.
0: But part of me is, like, I think part of the reason he's able to be so chill about it is I think he no longer cares about charisma. Like, you know, I don't think he's worrying about this being like really well argued and a really good lie. I think he's just like, here's the narrative, take it or leave it. And she doesn't seem to be taking it fully.
1: Yeah, she's pushing back a lot because she knows those people, and she just doesn't fucking believe that this happened. And so she even turns to Milton and she's like, what, "What do you think of like like Did you know?" And 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 he lies and says he was informed this morning because, as we recall, they had an interaction yesterday in which you know Milton didn't tell her that this was happening.
0: Yeah, um, no, so. he knew, but yeah. I well, and I mean, and it's fascinating too because Andrea is like specifically like i'm just i just wrote jesus christ thank you 11 episodes in because she calls out the governor she's like i'm sick of this sick of the lies because he's not trying to present this as like totally real Mm -hmm. anymore this he's not making good lie arguments and andrea's right like okay let's like have it out like this is fucked up what you're doing is fucked up and i can fix this because andrea can fix everything, she believes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did write Andrea fucking finally. Um yeah. like understanding. And saying that she wants to leave. Um and she wants a car to go there and do all of this stuff. And yeah. And Governor says, you know, no. Um, um without saying no at first. But then she like clearly is really fucking still pissed off. And he's like, Andrea, if you go there, stay there.
0: Which I think Andrea I also wrote down Ultimatum. Uh oh, Andrea hates those. But this is a moment where I'm like, Andrea, you are working from an old understanding of who this person is. He just gave you a real clear direction, and you're not going to listen to it, and I, I don't know what's going to happen. And Andrea storms out that he won't give her the shit she wants, but she storms out into an armed camp, uh, which I do, like, slightly think is funny that Milton and the governor made this decision about the children over 13, like, 10 seconds ago in the <laughs> privacy of their room, and suddenly everyone knows and, like... Karen is having a big fight about why the 14 year old asthmatic should not be expected to do gun training. <laughs> so that got out real quick. And I really like Karen. Karen was giving Andrea the brush off last episode and is now like, Andrea, Fix this. (laughs) They're trying to get
1: Noah to fight. Martinez. Martina is like, um, you know, like tries to come up with an argument. That's basically like it's, it's about, or no, Andrea says, I thought it was about defense, not fighting. And Martinez is just like, well, it's
0: like, who's talking about fighting. And it's like, Andrea, I love that you're trying to spin this like it's not about fighting it's so clearly stupid. it's about fighting <laughs> like, come
1: on girl you're ready to go like just they're go. All
0: talking about fighting
1: <laughs> they're all talking about fighting you know that this is all fucking bullshit like stop pretending anymore it's like it's just it's it's that thing where you're just watching somebody who is so smart be so stupid over and over and over again and you're just like what the fuck yeah. man what the fuck
0: and then we're back at the prison and i love this shot did you clock this This is shot in like such a fascinating way where the camera is following Rick through like the prison hallway Mm -hmm. outside the cells. But it's following him from the other side of the cell so that like walls break it up a little bit as he goes, which I just really loved because we've seen the other side of that of them all like huddling and walking around in that common space. Mm -hmm. I just really liked it just felt like visually it was hammering home this idea of like we're trapped, we're trapped, we're trapped. Yeah. And that, you know, this and and their text is is bearing this out too, right? They're just constantly hammering home that this is not sustainable, it's all gonna come to a head, they don't have enough ammo, all this stuff. And then sweet Daryl is like, We've been here before, we'll be all right. He's like really trying to will that idea into being, and Glenn is not having it.
1: Glenn is still really not processing his trauma. You know, like he's just really not He's not there. He's, he's he's still he's still mad and he doesn't know where to stick it and point it except he knows that he can stick it at Merle yeah. and Daryl is at this well, point just like get used to it like he's here. he's, he's yeah. not leaving. we're not kicking him out so like get over it like it's it's done.
0: yeah well, and I do think there's something interesting here just tracking the like really toxic dynamic between Daryl and Merle where it seems like Daryl really doesn't understand why everyone else cannot like forgive and forget like merle's staying here he's with us now we got to get used to it like that's what this is and when and earlier in the scene right glenn's making the point of like well we got through all that bad stuff before because it was just our family and now it's not just our family it's him Mm -hmm. and daryl is like he's in our family like he's part of my family but i think daryl really doesn't understand because i think he's probably been like just as wronged and like hurt by merle as as Glenn or anybody else in that prison has been over the course of his life. And he's always just had to figure out how to forgive him and move on because they're going to be together for the rest of their lives. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't seem to be able to understand how everyone else can't do that. They don't have to, and neither do you. Uh, I'm
1: so glad that you pointed that out because it's so true. Where it's just like, how many times has Merle beaten this shit out of Daryl, and Daryl just has to for, like forget and forgive and move on? Because like, if he's he, if he holds on to it, like it's just going to be a worse beating the next time, and he's still going to be with Merle regardless. Like, oh, yeah.
0: well, and like, and the and the trauma that we saw in the previous episode, right? Of this, like, you know, who left who. When we were kids, like, Daryl's been holding on to that hurt his entire life and never said anything about it until this really intense moment that, you know, otherwise he's just had to push it down and forget it and be with Merle. Uh -uh. And he doesn't get why, like, if he can do that, why can't everyone else? And it's because, Daryl, you shouldn't have to do that. No one should be doing that. But... It's interesting, and like I also thought, this was so fascinating. Is that after Daryl says that he he runs away, he like sprints up to the other upper level by himself,
1: mm-hmm.
0: of just like I can't be in this argument anymore, and I'm not gonna, like it. Just it feels like these are responses to conflict that are really baked in.
1: And Rick says, you know, I can't kick him out, like I can't. And then Herschel is like, well, I mean, Merle does oh, wait, have no. military training. Yeah, sorry, but we ahead.
0: sorry, we skipped a line from Glenn that I was like, I can't believe you said this, Glenn, but yeah, say more of it. Where he was like, I didn't ask you to live with Shane after he killed tried to kill you. And it's like, Ooh, Oh fuck, I forgot oh, that line. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Also, good reminder for anyone who's tuning in for the first time in a while, uh, the, of the fact that will come up later in the episode, which is that uh Rick killed Shane. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it's good that we haven't mentioned here now because we
0: needed that reminder. Just make that yeah. more natural. But yeah, and then Herschel is making these other points. Yeah, just about how Merle has military training and,
1: you know, like he could be useful. He's been with the governor. It could all work out. And then Glenn has the brilliant idea of, you know, what if we give the governor what he wants? We give him Merle and we call a truce, which is just like, yeah, Glenn, I don't think that's going to happen. I know. I
0: was like, here's the thing, Glenn, there's no goodwill that well, part of me is like, I don't even I wonder if Glenn even thinks this would buy him goodwill or if he's just like, hey, it can't hurt and it might hurt Merle. Like, you know, I don't know if he's genuinely like, this will solve the whole problem. But he's like, it's a thing we could try. We don't lose anything <laughs> by trying it. <laughs> like, I mean, um, I,
1: I think ultimately for Glenn, he really just doesn't feel safe. And the way to get no. him to feel a little bit safer is to get Merle away from him and Maggie. And yeah. I get that. I do get that. I get but that. the
0: thing. Well, this is why I'm like, I don't know that he genuinely thinks this would help exactly. anything except his Merle problem is he doesn't want goodwill from the governor. He wants that guy dead. But the other thing, I just want to jump back to Herschel for a second because I really love this where Herschel as an alcoholic, as someone who really does like believe in the Bible. I wonder if there's like more of an appreciation for the potential of redemption in Merle.
1: Hmm. Like it
0: seems like he's really leaving space for Merle to maybe decide to change and decide to do a different thing. And there was a moment, too, where he was like, he may be erratic, but, like, don't underestimate his loyalty to his brother. And it just made me think for the first time, like, did Herschel grow up with siblings in his, like, abusive household? Like, is this actually, does he have more understanding and sympathy for Merle than some other people Yeah, might? Like, it feels like Herschel is really trying to dig into something here, which leads us, I think, into the next scene. 100%
1: 100% yeah we, we open on Merle wrapping duct taping his knife back to his, yeah. um, his <laughs> <weird> con- <kinesis>. <laughs> <laughs> um which I do love I love this I love like whenever somebody gets like a, a weird mechanic the, where they can have just like a knife for an arm I always love it it makes me very happy so I'm yeah. glad he gets it back yeah and Herschel visits him um and calls him the black sheep and you know they have this like little repartee Um, and
0: it's like this is the thing where i was like i think merle is or not merle i'm sorry i think herschel is potentially seeing like some kinship with merle in an interesting way that mm -hmm. i'm like because they both also have like both lost limbs like you know there's like some weird parallels here where i was like i'm really curious about where like what is what does herschel see here that he's trying to coax out.
1: He definitely sees something because, you know, they do start this conversation about limbs being cut off and like how that happened. And, you know, Herschel says, Rick cut it off. And I'm I'm thankful that he did this because it gave me more time with my family because, you know, Merle was being Merle about Rick cutting off Herschel's yeah. leg.
0: I mean, um, and not, not unjustifiably. I'm sure Merle is like, well, that's two limbs lost <laughs> due to Rick Grimes. Like exactly. how many
1: more? officer friendly doing his, his part yeah. here. Um, but you know, Herschel says when you can't put a price, um, you can't put a price on, on
0: the time that you get. And then very nonchalantly well, and Herschel also, pulls out his Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, know. Well, no, but also he says his family, but he says, my girls, your brother can't put a price on that. Like, you know, he really explicitly includes Daryl in there, which I think is interesting of like your brother is my family. Well, I have this Bible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, I, sorry. I I, like, I I feel like we keep stopping and starting, but it's because you keep saying these things that are so fascinating that I want to pull back to. You said something about like her because, and and I do think it is related to alcoholism too. That he's like, Herschel knows how to talk AA and knows how to talk recovery. And so he knows how to bring in like, um, how to bring in family and how to bring in the things that you care about to keep you on track. So it is interesting. I think it's, it's really, he's good at reading those people, the people who are really down and like, and forever out. And I think that's really important, but yes, the nonchalant, well, the Bible. Yeah. um, I
0: I found this. I, you know, I, and I, and I do actually appreciate this moment where it seems like Herschel is saying this to Merle, but it's not Merle specific where it's like, He's talking about how Herschel kind of lost himself for a little there and had to figure out, like, that this is the moment in time where they all have to figure out how to pull themselves back together. And I think that's not just him and Merle. I think that's also Rick. I think it's Glenn. I think there's, like, a lot of people where he's realizing we're not where we need to be. Like, we got lost and we got to find our way back. And when I need to find my way back, I use this. And I love this, I love this verse that he chooses to read too, right? If your right hand offends you, cut it off. And part of me, and like Merle's face is clearly him being like, yeah, I already fucking done that. But I do think there's something really beautiful here. The metaphor of like, you could, you did do that. You cut off something you really thought you needed that was necessary to you. You cut it off and you're fine and you've adapted and you could leave all this ugly shit, like all this you know, really toxic behavior, you could leave all of that just not, e- it's not easy. But like, you could do the same thing. You could cut that shit off, leave it somewhere else, leave it on a rooftop. And I love I fucking love the reveal that Merle knows the verse because he finishes it with Herschel. He says it right along with him.
1: I love it a lot because it also to me because like, the entire verse right is about how um, you know you can still get into heaven if you just like cut off this like one part of you you can be a different person and you can you know you can do you can do good things in the world essentially um, like a massive paraphrase but like that's like what is being sort of offered here so for for Merle to say you know Woodbury had a damn fine library it's one of the few things I liked about it and that's like how he like finishes the verse because yeah. he
0: clearly sought out that passage. Um, you know, well, and clearly too like and the part of it that he finishes is the part of like and not that your whole person should be cast into, into hell. Exactly. Because he's like, Yeah, I I
1: don't have to go down that path, but like this is what I could do. Um Yeah. Well, and
0: I think I mean, here's the thing, I I feel no sympathy for Merle, except I feel a little sympathy in that like he's he's just equally so fucked up where I think he's kind of like, yeah, I am that I'm going to hell. And that sucks for Merle. Poor Merle. Yeah.
1: It is like wow. one of those narratives, like we get stuck into narratives that we believe about ourselves. And so I yeah. do think it's interesting that Herschel clocked that. Um, and like, that was a narrative that he spotted Merle believed about himself and, and came to him with this.
0: Yeah. Um, and then yeah. he follows up with listing when the governor comes, he's going to kill me, Michonne, my brother, your girls, the baby, Carl, he'll save Rick for last. Like, that's who you're dealing with. He is yeah. not redemptive. Like, you know, you can't go out there with your Bible and try and convince him to change. He's not going to. That's who he is. And I love that we get that immediately before we switch back to, like, you know, jolly governor <laughs> to the extent that he is jolly anymore. But, like, leader governor inspecting his people for military readiness. Like, you know, even the in this moment where he's being, like, relatively charming. It is. It, it's a really... That's, like,
1: that's who Merle knows before the governor lost Penny. So, like, who is the governor now this is a good question, I think, for us as viewers, too, is, like, okay, this is before he lost his last tether to humanity. Um, this is who Merle knew him to be. So, like, yeah, yeah,
0: really screwed up.
1: Yeah, we go to Miss McLeod has arthritis. Poor Miss McLeod.
0: I know. Poor Miss McLeod. But also, I love this woman. She's in a full, like, pink feathered or flowered housecoat. coat. And I'm like, do we think she always wears the house coat? Or someone was like, Ms. McLeod, come, we're figuring out who can be combat ready. And she was like, fuck, I don't want to be combat ready. And pulls on this house coat. But also, I love that they're like, Ms. McLeod has arthritis. And the governor checks. Like, he takes her hands and, like, looks at them to see if she can physically handle the gun. It's not enough to look at house coat lady who's like, arthritis. You know, he has to actually check if she could physically fire the gun before he excuses her, which is fucking nuts. <laughs> like,
1: I do imagine that she also, like, decided to grab her bunny slippers or something. So she's yeah, literally she was, standing in the grass in her house coat bunny it's just slippers. it's the thing that
0: I think is so funny of how we costume people for TV, too, where it's like, you know, my mom is 65 almost, and she had, you know, she has, like, arthritis in her foot. And guess what? She rides the Peloton every day. Like, you know, it's like the way that we're like, she's old and decrepit. She has arthritis. (laughs) Like, you know, like how old is that actor? Like 65 or 70?
1: (laughs) But then they also bring up Noah. Noah is asthmatic. And and shouldn't that excuse
0: him from work? It should excuse him because he is a child. Uh, But guess what? It doesn't. And the governor's like, you ever shot a gun before, son? And he's like, I had a BB gun. My mom took it away. Which, let's note, I doubt the mom took the BB gun away for no reason. It probably got (laughs) taken away because the child was not firing it responsibly. And the governor's response is, well, don't worry, kiddo. We'll get you started on the live rounds. Aren't you glad your mom's dead? So we can... uh you know, do all the fun shit.
1: (laughs) I thought Karen was his mom.
0: No, Karen is not his mom, which was confirmed by the actor who played Karen and, um, Lori Holden in like an interview. She's just an advocate for Noah. Yeah. I think their backstory is that she was a teacher. And so she's like very attached to keeping the kids safe.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I'm all for people just deciding to be advocates for kids. I don't need necessarily a backstory, but yeah, I definitely assumed that No, but I think mom. that was
0: the actor's backstory of, because we get no information about Karen. Yeah, zero. So I think the actor was like, this is who Karen is. You might not find out, but I did a lot of work crafting her. That's fantastic.
1: You know what else is fantastic, Margot? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs>
0: is it? <laughs> Carol and Daryl. Oh,
1: my God. I fucking love this scene between Carol and Daryl. It's so
0: fucking good. Well, and we... Maybe we'll post it on whatever fucking social media we do. But um, there's a really amazing scene between Carol and Merle that is cut from this episode that I think happens immediately before this scene based on, like, costume choices and where it's happening and stuff like that, which I don't... We don't have to talk about it, but...
1: Well, I actually, I I also put that note, but then I I thought maybe it actually occurred after the Merle-Michonne scene. Because she's eyeing Merle that entire time and then ready to confront him.
0: Mm, Maybe. I mean, we'll never know where it was. We'll never know. Uh, know. But I feel like because Daryl was watching the other scene happen, I feel like I like that. But it's not in the episode, so who cares? So yeah, Daryl's in his bunk, fucking around with an arrow hiding and Carol comes to his cell. I wrote down all the dialogue for the scene, so you can go first.
1: So I mean Carol says, like, I'm glad that you came back and Daryl sort of shrugs and says, You mean to to all this? Um, and she says it's home and he says this is a this is a tomb. I know
0: part of what I love about this moment of like to what, all this is he is physically gesturing to the prison, but part of me also feels like he's gesturing to the way that everyone is mad at him like you know oh i'm glad i came back so that glenn can snipe at- i don't know that everyone is really mad at him but i think he perceives that people are mad at
1: him but then she says this thing that i uh, just to remind him like how much he means to her which is like you know t-dog called it a tomb too and i thought that that was um, that was the truth until yeah i thought found he was me.
0: right until yeah. you found me and that she doesn't say anything else about it right Like, but just this reminder of like, you saved me, like you, that was a good thing that you did. That was like something really real that you did that is real. And that's who you really are. And all of that is unsaid between them. And then she immediately goes, you know, he's your brother, but he's not good for you. Don't let him bring you down. After all, look how far you've come. And I love this because he's sitting with that a little uncomfortable. Like, and he's uncomfortable with it. Like, he doesn't know what to do with it. But then he looks around the cell and the two of them laugh. <laughs> and But I love this because I think, I think she's being totally sincere. I mean, in a fun way. But I think she really means it. You've come really far. You are not that guy anymore. Like, you've really changed. And I don't think Daryl is convinced about that or knows that or like, you know, this uncertainty is creeping back in of like, oh man, maybe we are fucked and maybe this is a tomb and maybe I'm not going to be able to like help these people and everything's fucked up now. And, but he's home with his fam. I, but also I love that it then becomes also funny where it's like, look how far I've come in prison (laughs) where I never wanted to be. Uh. Yeah. I mean,
1: and this, I think is just about like, For me, anyway, it's about two people who it got too emotional. So then they had to make a joke out of it. But in a way that I actually really like, and I think makes it makes sense for who they are as people and also shows like how much they love each other that they can do that. I know. For me, that's why it works so well is like, yeah, I mean, it is true. All of that's true. But also that was really, really close and emotional. So yeah, (laughs)
0: too close. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Well, because also then it would have to be an acknowledgement of how far Carol has come. And I don't think she's like nope 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 oh yeah um, she's really happy dishing it out but i don't know if she can yeah take she, she didn't gonna take that shit <laughs> um but yeah no i they're they're just always on the same wavelength and it's really beautiful to me and this could have been really ugly this scene like it could have been i can't believe you left me and like how could you do this and you know and it's not because she doesn't need to say any of that shit she knows what happened and she's just glad he's back
1: Fuck you, Angela Kang. I fucking love your Daryl and Carol know, scenes. They so break my heart good. every time. And I
0: really wish that this Merlin Carol scene would have been there too, where she essentially, I don't know if it's explicit, but it feels like she's threatening to castrate him if he yeah. fucks with Daryl.
1: <laughs> 100%. That's what the diluted scene is. Yeah, we'll know, we'll put a link in the so show notes good. so well, that you can also, watch it.
0: It feels so um, prescient of what she's going to suggest Angela or Andrea do mm-hmm. later in the episode, right? <laughs> We're getting it's, a sense of, like, Carol as, like, cutthroat.
1: It's probably part of the reason why they cut it was because they well, didn't want to no, take away from that moment.
0: Well, I think they also were just, like, this is covered in all the other scenes. Because yeah. it's in the Daryl and Carol scene. It's in the Andrea and Carol scene. Like, we can, we can lose it without losing narrative. I love that scene. I really wish it was in the episode because I love seeing this moment where, like, in the last episode, we had... Carol being, like, if Ed, like, showed up and told me to go with him, I like to think I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And this feels like an episode where she is, like, asserting that she wouldn't. Like, she's really, tr- like, Merle is, like, the Ed proxy in this group now. And she goes and she's, like, I love your brother. He's my, she doesn't say this out loud, of course, because where would the pining be? But, like, you know, she's, <laughs> like, your brother saved my life. He's the best person. And if you fuck with him, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. And she can't say that to Ed anymore. Yeah. But she can say it tomorrow. So. But before uh, Carol can talk to Andrea about uh, pulling a Judith and Hall Fernies. (laughs) Wow, that's a deep cut. (laughs) She's going to get there. first <laughs> like, yeah we're back at woodbury and andrea is still trying to figure out how to get outside the walls i also love that she's examining the fence in the least subtle way in the world she's literally like wandering around trying to be sneaky but staring at the fence so much so that milton even noticed and was like you're not subtle it's sealed no one's getting in or out <laughs> like i love this scene from a mil from a milton perspective i think this is such good milton character development <laughs>
1: It is. But this is, I think, part of the reason why for me, I'm never really sure, you know, what side of things he's he's on was because, yeah. you know, well, she says that she wants a straight answer and he gives it to her for the first time ever. He gives her a straight answer. And I was like, oh, cool. Which is like he didn't he wouldn't advocate for a move like that. And it does feel super genuine that he I wouldn't know. advocate I for a move. that
0: his rationale is not like it's wrong. His move is like it's too dumb for my intellect. <laughs> like, right, right.
1: And then you know, you know, she's uh, she wants his help because this alone, like his acknowledgement that it's a dumb move, like is enough for her to be like, "Great, so I need to go to the prison so that I can put an end to all of this." Um, you need to help me, and he's like, oh, so but I don't think I don't think that uh, uh, I don't no. want to be put in that situation." Thank you very
0: much. But here's the thing: I think I. So you're saying that you're never sure, like what side Milton's on. Is that what you were saying? Well, because we know that the the governor
1: like asked asked Milton to like watch her but he like we see him also feel really con- like it's yeah. all internal and none of it is in script it's just like it's all the way he's acting and he's acting it very well where he does seem to be questioning a lot of the governor's moves like with like even though he doesn't push back to the governor about the children being you know soldiers he still like asks the question Flagging everything yeah yeah so like for me, it, it, means, it means that he's swayable in a specific way and in a way that like that Andrea is also picking up on. So it makes it and in a good way, in a satisfying way well, that I don't Pierce, really ever know where he's landing. Yeah, go ahead.
0: I guess I can see that. I think for me, the main thing that I understand about Milton at this point is that he will do, he's scared and he'll do whatever he thinks is to avoid the scariest thing. And Andrea thinks she's the scariest thing when she's like, Milton, get me out of here. She doesn't understand that the governor was like, Milton, you're such a good friend. You're like maybe my closest friend. You know, my old closest friend used to be Merle, who I'm going to fucking kill. He's like, you're like, he freaks out when she's like, get me out of here, Milton. And his whole reactions, you know, all of them are like, this is a betrayal. This is not, you cannot ask me to do this. Like he's telling her in the way he can, cause he's scared of the governor, but he's like, you are setting us up for death. Like this is, I am really telling you, this is betrayal, which is exactly, I can't remember anymore, but it's, if it's not exactly, it's very similar to the phrasing about what the governor was saying about Merle, that Merle is a traitor. Mm-hmm. And so he's warning her, like, this is a betrayal. And if you do this, you're going to be like Merle, you're going to be a traitor. Like, But he can't come right out and say it and she can't pick up on it. So I love this for Milton because I think you're right, right? This is the moment where we're really starting to understand the conflict within him where he genuinely seems to want to be able to help Andrea in this moment. Mm -hmm. And his interpretation of that is convincing her not to do it. And he can't.
1: Yeah. And I think he also he seems to very much care about Woodbury because, you know, she's she makes a really good point about like this is a that that the people here are going to be a cannon cannon fodder in a war over nothing, which I think Milton does agree with. Like, yes, this is all except he knows it's not nothing. He knows that like that they stole their people. Um, but still, like, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like we're just sort of seeing this this conflict within him really start to come
0: come forward the next note i have is ah yes examining your bloody eye wound by matchlight a totally normal move for the governor to make i believe that's standard hospital operating procedure (laughs) i
1: love that he's
0: in the dark and he just lights a match to examine his gouged out eye like what or it's not gouged out it's stabbed through i forgot But uh, yeah, his eye is healing. It's been two days and uh, he's decided to transition from medical gauze to like a real cool eye patch. And my first question, did he like, was someone in Woodbury like a big cosplay person? And the governor was like, do you have anything in your costume box to suit my (laughs) new station? Or did he have to get someone to make it for him with the instructions of like extra badass, please? Like, where did this it's not a store-bought pirate eyepatch <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: i mean they probably have somebody there who sews that's my guess was he yeah, was well, like it's uh, unsightly
0: uh Ms. O'Cloud cloud or whatever Ah, uh, a cloud well her arthritis probably precludes her work in that front milton cam let's note that the episode title is iana judas I think I, who do you think is the person saying I ain't a Judas? Cause I think it's Daryl, but you know, who is a Judas? It's Milton. <laughs> and it, he doesn't yeah. even get 30 pieces of silver or whatever the fuck. He just, he just gets, he gets a pat. dead.
1: He gets a pat on the head. I mean, like that's the thing, right? Is like, he was, um, he was told to report on Andrea's comings and goings. And that's what he's doing. And he says, she's asked for my help in escaping her words
0: not yeah. mine. <laughs> I know you little weasel. And I, but here's the thing too. He's a weasel, but he really, he did everything, but come right out and say, Andrea, I'll have to tell the governor about this when they were talking. And he says that. And the governor is like, help her. And I love his response, which is okay. Do you really want me to do that? Or is this some sort of test? Because I fucking love that. loves passing tests and he has no idea what this test is. And he's yeah. like, the governor tested Merle, but I don't know what to kind of. T- I don't know what you want me to do. Um, I
1: just love it too because, like, I love that he just asked the question instead yeah. of just like sitting there being like, um, 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 and I, like, I love that Milton is the kind of guy who's like, no, no, no. is it a test? Because yeah. I want to pass. So, like, tell me, is yeah, it a he's because no, I don't no, have to help her.
0: <laughs> he's not socially competent enough to guess. So he's like, I will just ask, what do you want me to do here? So I ended my thing with Milton's the Judas. Yeah, I'm
1: still not sure. I mean, I like this question. And like, I, I think I asked it for myself, like, who's because I don't know who's like, I don't know why Daryl would say that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, in the context of this episode, So
0: I, mean, I, de- I think it's I think it's the thing of like, that some people are treating him or he's perceiving that he's being treated like he's a traitor that he brought Merle back and that he's not helping the group or whatever. And I think he's like, I'm not.
1: But he's not enough of a focus of the episode for it to be about him being yeah. a Judas. So, like, it doesn't, for me, that doesn't track.
0: Well, here's what I actually think it is, is potentially leaning into what happens at the end of the episode where she's not able to kill Philip. And I think potentially Andrea is the one who's like, I I can't do it. I'm not a traitor. I'm not going to stab him in the back, like, when he sleeps. I can't do it. Yeah, that makes um, more sense. I can Like, see I that. think it's that. But I, but Andrea doesn't say ain't. No. So I am curious about like what's the decision there.
1: Anyway, so Michelle, oh sorry, Michonne.
0: <laughs> Milton, Milton and Andrea
1: are going into the woods do, 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 to do what Michonne did to walkers. Because yeah. that's the that's the plan. And so I literally wrote in my notes that Milton and Andrea get weird with walkers and literally curb stomp a walker, which is really uncomfortable to watch. Um yeah, it's absolutely brutal uh, putting it's, a jaw yeah, on a rock. It's a lot. And,
0: also, head. I like that um, the Milton gets the biters, The he's in his full biter grabbing gear with his duct tape sleeves. And his way of helping Andrea like get the walker is to yell, hey, you. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you goofus. You have no idea what, how to handle these things. But Andrea fucking can. She demolishes that thing. And she's so much like, you know, it was a good reminder for me of like, she's so much more competent then Woodbury has like allowed her to be for quite a while. Milton looks torn between being traumatized and being academically curious.
1: (laughs) It is that thing where it's like, even though we have made fun of Andrea and rightly so many times for not wanting to do chores, the issue is that she is a very competent person. And so it is frustrating that they don't give her, you know, some things to do that do require more skill. um, But, you know, it still doesn't mean that she shouldn't have to do laundry.
0: Um. well i just think everyone should have the same amount of skilled and unskilled labor it's pretty fucking graphic the walker shit and then the best thing that happens is i can't believe this is this is the thing where i was like the um episode summary lets us down a little bit because who should burst in but tyrese's group they're alive and pretty freaked out by this massacre they've walked into (laughs) Like, I think Sasha's like, fuck, I missed the bunker. Everyone out here is batshit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
1: just imagine walking upon this and really having no idea what's going on. It's like, these people are mutilating walkers. These people are mutilating walkers. Do we talk to them? Do we not talk to them? Do we keep going? What do we do? What do we do? Yeah, Yeah, it's great.
0: Uh, And we leave before they say anything. And then Mm -hmm. we're back at Michonne being a badass doing push-ups doing like some really intense like
1: very high end like you have to be fit to fucking do these no. like different combos she's doing um they are not easy to do and merle knows that they're not easy to do because he's like yeah smart to stay fit merle shut the fuck up about michonne working out
0: stop it I know. Fuck off. it's like so fucking stoic in this moment because merle is just like you know all that trying to kill you racist shit that's just business I've done a lot of things I ain't proud of, like, before and after, and I hope we can move past it. Like, bygones be bygones, and Michonne's face is just like, fuck this so much. Where is my katana? There will be no (laughs) bygones with bigots. Like, you know, she is like fuck you, fuck you.
1: <laughs> Which like 100% because he, you know, he uses the line on her. Like he was like, I was just carrying out orders. And I think the only thing that she says to him, this entire scene is orders. Like, the Gestapo.
0: Well, and I love to, the next thing we go to is back to like Milton and Tyrese and Andrea stuff. And Milton's next line is it's a diversionary tactic. And part of me is like, yeah, that's what Merle's doing too. He's trying to divert everyone's attention away from all the shit. By going around and being like charming, rough, rough, rough-hewn redneck charm, and it's mm-hmm. like he is not successful. Andrea will be with her mutilated walkers.
1: <laughs> they okay, will. Can I ask you? Do you know what this little grabber thing is for? Besides just putting it around walkers, dogs. Is like, it for dogs? Like you mean in real
0: life? Yeah. Yeah, for animal wrangling.
1: Okay, I have like I like. It's just like the most perfect tool for walkers. And we've seen it a few times it, throughout the series. And I'm just like, where are people getting these?
0: Like, yeah, I mean, just, like they must have raided a zoo or like a vet's office or something. They, yeah, um, they're doing some diversionary tactics, yeah. is how they're explaining it to well, Sasha and, and Tyrese's group. And, well, and here's what I really love about this scene, right? Is they're like, do you have people? And Andrea seems to be like, no, it's just us. And I don't like, you know, and in previous iterations, I think I would have thought. If this interaction happened a week ago and this had been the exchange, I would have thought it was because Andrea was protecting Woodbury. And now I'm 100% like Andrea is protecting them. She doesn't know what they're going to walk into and she doesn't want them to walk into it. So she's like, nope, they don't exist. And then Milton spills the beans because he knows the governor needs people. They only have 35 people under, you know, able to hold guns and half of them are asthmatic or have arthritis. So he's like, wow, four, like, ready-to-go people.
1: I and- really didn't read it that way, though. Like, I, I really read it as, like, I, first of all, I think I misattributed who said the it's just us line because I thought Sasha was like, you all got a camp, and then there was a long pause, and then she just says, it's just us. I think it's a Sasha line.
0: No, no, Andrea says that.
1: Okay, I believe you because your notes are um, always better than mine about that. But then no. what <laughs> I read Milton as doing was, was more along the lines of – um like he misread the situation of like of these people need help um you know because they they look like they're really beat up and yeah. so it was it was that situation where yeah i mean i i, I believe you that that andreas maybe trying to protect them yeah. but also like yeah, well, i think for I think- milton he thinks it's protecting them too to be behind walls
0: yeah i'm not 100% on that mostly because i think andrea checks in on him whether or not they should like i when andreas like you sure to milton I think in previous watches, I thought that was about her, about Milton going back to Woodbury alone with, like, these four people with axes. Mm. And then this time I was like, are you sure, like, do we want to give him more hostages? He's, like, put 14-year-olds on guard duty. Like, you know, maybe more, I don't know that that's safety, but Milton is like, the governor is safety because if we cross him, we're not safe. And she walks up on the prison, the beautiful scenic Georgian prison. Yes, the majesty of a Georgia (laughs) prison, I wrote. (laughs) Where
1: everyone has sniper rifles pointed at anybody coming over the hill because Carl definitely um, spots something and says, you know, something weird out there. I know. And and
0: I also wrote, Carl, that's no way to discuss Andrea. (laughs) Uh, Weird is not the word. Weird.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not the word I'd use. um, Problematic. Um, Um, angry for no reason, Um, angry for reasons, but because she was written so poorly, it still feels like there's no reason. Yeah. Um,
0: No, but I I loved this. Well, and I love that then, because Carl sees something weird, and I don't think, I think Carl sees it Sam's sniper rifle. I don't know if he had binoculars or just his plain eyes, but I just clocked that Maggie is the one who identifies her as Andrea. She's the one that's really watching through the sniper rifle, and I love the storytelling here, which is like, Maggie's not using this to put Andrea in her sights for to shoot her, Mm-mm. yet it's such a charged way of looking at somebody like just this hidden undertone of violence, of potential violence and percent.
1: yeah so she says get your dad and then there's a full yeah. fucking military response to andrea walking up on the prison with one fucking walker yeah. it's it's insane and also i love it so much because good. i'm Here's like the
0: thing they're yeah. fucking traumatized because the last time someone crossed the boundary they threw a bread truck full of walkers at them <laughs> and so they have no trust and they run and they know andrea was with him so they run out armed to the teeth and Andrea's yelling, open the gate. And Rick's like, are you alone? And she just goes, Rick. And this is something I, I was like, this is very, if someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> if someone asks you if you're alone, tell them. <laughs> like, Why aren't you answering? I Answer
1: the fucking question. They yeah. have so many guns. Answer the fucking question. I
0: know. Ugh. Well, it reminded me too of like season one when someone when they went to the CDC and- uh Jenner was like, is anyone bit? And Rick is like, yes, we left them behind or whatever. (laughs) And it's like, Rick, clearly he wants to know if any of you are bit. He doesn't care if people have been bit. Like, you know, Andrea, he's clearly asking if you're alone for a real specific reason and you're giving nothing. But yeah, they get her into the gate and you know, Rick, like pretty much tackles her with this pat down. Like it's super intense and it's not, well, and this is what I think is interesting is I think when Andrea was on her way here and getting up to the prison, right? I think she really was pretty sure that the governor was full of shit and was like, I've had, you know, she said in the previous scene, I've had it with the lies, like that group's not bloodthirsty. I know them, like this stuff. And then she, this is the welcome she gets. And I think it is inadvertently, making Andrea be like, oh, maybe the governor's not a hundred percent full of shit. Cause Rick seems unhinged in this pat down. Like, you know, he seems like a little violent.
1: No, I, I mean, I think that there, that there is that because she does seem, she seems really confused why everything is, is happening in this moment yeah. um, and like her bag is violently pulled from her body and she she just says yes i i am alone and he's like why didn't you answer my question she's like yes i'm alone yeah. and then there's just like a bunch of longing looks from michonne at
0: Andrea and Carol too there's some great carol looks in this moment also
1: just like a very intense welcome back I know right her. it's and not he very, yanks her
0: up <laughs> it's not very welcoming Yeah, and then they go into the prison and I just wrote down, Andrea's like, fuck, there is no lemonade here. Like, you know, this is not Woodbury. This is not the farm. This is like, they. this is is all, like she is
1: literally mortified that they're in a prison. Yeah,
0: but I love, love, love this Carol and Andrea reunion. It's so good because this is how they got, Andrea got separated from them was saving Carol. And I think Carol, and like even, in at the end of season two right where it's like where's Andrea Carol's like she saved me like she she helped she put she got I wouldn't have got out without her Mm -hmm. and so I think Carol is in this moment the most uncomplicatedly happy to see her Not that it's not still a little complicated. So but it's the only
1: it's the only like good reunion that we have. Because the rest of this is like the most out-of-character reunion for these people that we've ever experienced.
0: uh, I know. Well, and it's like Andrea's like, oh my God, this group is so broken compared to the last time I saw them. Herschel's missing a leg. She's like, Where's Shane? (laughs) And Rick just shakes his head, like, don't fucking talk to me about that. And then she's about (laughs) Lori. And Lori. And it's like, oh my God, what uh you know, just this litany of the dead, like Lori's gone, T-Dog's gone. And she looks at, she's like, Carl, and she looks at Carl, and Carl's face is just like totally stone-faced. And, and like, you know, they're pissed. They're pissed. They're pissed. Uh, I think this is also when they're like, I think what, what clocks this is they're like, you know, we also lost, there were some prisoners here. We lost them too. Lost one of them yesterday. Like, we liked him. He was one of us. And Andrea's like, what is happening here? Like, I'm not your enemy. But also, Andrea, your literal boyfriend is the enemy. (laughs) Like... Well, and this
1: is the situation, too, that I find fascinating because they like they are saying like, you know, they're, they're not giving her every single detail of what happened. Like they're not rationally sitting down and saying, so here's what happened. The governor decided out of the blue to come here and do all this kind of stuff. um You know, they're like, you know, the, your your governor, your boyfriend is the reason that this happened. And yeah. her response, like a fucking idiot, again, is. He
0: said you fired first. I know, I wrote this down. I was like, Andrew, why are you repeating the lies that you didn't even seem to believe when he told them to you? But I also really appreciate this, because Rick's reaction to that is like, he, he's, I didn't write down what the reaction was, but it was essentially him being like, he's lying. Rick's face in this moment, though, is like so hard and so difficult to read. That like we know he's telling the truth. We saw it happen. I don't actually know that I totally blame Andrea for not being able to read that this is real. And Andrea's like, I came as soon as I, you know, I didn't even know you we were alive until until the shootout at Woodbury, the shootout at they Woodbury, and like, that was days ago, dude. And she was I know, like, okay. Glenn is like, it was days ago.
1: Um, but like she just gets so um, she she also like turns instead of dealing with the like this is this is the what's so good about the writing of this scene is that neither one of them are addressing the problems that the other one is bringing to them so like so that they can't actually be on the same page convincingly because they're both so defensive about everything because as soon as like they attack andrea with something she turns it back on them and then like so andrea turns it in this moment right about like you know, that was days ago. I came as soon as I could. There's like this lull where they're all just like staring angry at her. And then she turns on Michonne and she's like, what have you told them about me?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like, what have you done? And it's just like, deal with your shit, Andrea. Deal with your shit. But also I love this because Michonne's like nothing. And it's true. Like, you know, it's like Andrea is so sensitive to this idea that like they have, that Michonne has twisted things somehow or like spun a different story. And we know she has said, virtually nothing to these people. She didn't even tell them Andrea was there until Merle told them.
1: And she calls herself the odd man out. She's like, I left Atlanta with you people. And now I'm the odd man out, which just like, let's just check the tape because she has felt like the odd man out for forever. So like, this is not new.
0: Well, and this also is just an idea that I thought was interesting. um, Of, you know, what does it mean to have been there at the beginning? Like, does that mean that Andrea is more of a group member than like Beth? who only joined in season two or like then Rick who missed almost the entire time that they were at the quarry. Like this idea of longevity of going back a certain amount of time as like a sense of belonging is just interesting to me. And I do love that Andrea then points out that Merle is a fucking monster and it's all his fault. Well, because
1: they yeah, because they try to like, say, you know, your boyfriend kidnapped Glenn and Maggie. And she was like, well, with his finger on the trigger pointing at Merle. And it's like, dude, your governor was behind that. And you're not wanting to do that. And and then, you know, she's like, she's like, okay, whatever, whatever. I'm just trying to get us. All together so that
0: we can fix this. Yeah. And
1: they're like, well, fuck that. We're going to kill him, dude. I know. Like, that's what we're doing. We're going to kill him.
0: Yeah. But, and I do love this though, where she's like, I cannot excuse or explain what Philip has done. Like, you know, this like dropping in the humanizing nature of it. But like, we're, I'm here trying to fix this. And it Rick's like, yeah, here's how we'll fix it. We're going to kill him. And there's no room for bargaining. I forgot uh, this one
1: part, too, that I really love, which comes from Merle, where, like, Andrea is basically well, this is because... this what...
0: I think this is what's coming up, actually. Oh, okay, great, great, um, Andrea is like, there's room at Woodbury yes. for all of you. And Merle is like, you know better than that. Is that what okay, you're yeah, Merle. To, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, you know better than that. There is not room for them at Woodbury. And I just imagine, too, like, imagine if Andrea came, be- came to them and was fully, like, Phillip's insane. Would you help me get rid of him so that Woodbury can thrive? Like that would get her somewhere, but she can't make that argument because she doesn't understand that she can't change Philip and she doesn't understand there's no pulling him back. Like he's been this way the whole time. He's just now okay with sharing it with everybody instead of just with Merle. And Merle's like, you know better than that. Like These people are not going to be allowed there. And I love that Herschel too in this moment is trying to lead her in a, a little bit of a gentler way than Merle, right? He's like, why do you think he wants to negotiate? Like, did he say that? And she has to be like, no. no. <laughs> Not exactly, but I know he meant it in his heart. And it's, and you know, she's really leaning into this idea of a war, war and it being possible. And like Glenn says, I think, you know, we've taken too much shit for too long. Like, you know, they're too traumatized to want to avoid war. They just want to be safe and they don't understand how to do that without getting rid of the stuff that threatens them at this moment in time. And Rick gives her this, this is what I find fascinating too, is that like even unhappy or like untrusting of Andrea, like Rick does propose to her, right? Like get us inside. Like Mm -hmm. you want to end this, get us inside. And Andrea says no, and he just walks away. But even, you know, and I clock a few areas, it's like, even when he doesn't trust her, he treats her as more of a person than the governor does.
1: Yeah. Well, and her response, too, to getting them inside has to do with the fact that there's innocent people involved. Yeah. And, and... I don't think, again, like they, they, the scene is written so well because they're just sort of at cross purposes because they can't be fully themselves in this moment with each other. So like, because I don't think that Rick's group has any intention of hurting anybody, but Mm -hmm. also they need the governor to leave them the fuck alone. And the only way to do that is to kill the governor and whoever like wants to also kill them. So like that is something that they need to do. Oh, it's just, it's really, it's really fascinating. It's a very, it's a good, it's a great way to deal with um, chaos in a different way than we've seen them do before. Cause they're really good at chaos and action, but this is chaos and dialogue mm-hmm. because, you know, if they very like strictly like sat down and said point by point, okay, so the governor not only like, um, kidnapped us and whatever. And like allowed Glenn to be tortured for forever. But then like he sexually assaulted Maggie and he did this and he did this and then look outside in this fence because he did all of that. And none of this, like if we, if we did that, we'd be in a very different position, but we can't do that because we do not trust Andrea. And I don't blame us for not trusting Andrea.
0: Um, Well, and I kind of, I, I wrote about this a little more later, but I think I can talk about it here too. I kind of hate that. We never get a moment of like Maggie's reaction to any of this shit of her being like, I cannot excuse or explain what Philip has done, like you know right. Philip assaulted her like we don't get any any of that, no reaction shots from Maggie this whole scene. I just would love to get some insight into how Maggie's feeling about this. Does she feel like Andrea understands what happened to her and just is like writing it off and now Maggie feels betrayed? Does she feel like Andrea doesn't get it and she needs to know like you know what like is this whole thing just making Maggie feel sick like I just wish I understood more of how we get more of Glenn than Maggie in this chunk.
1: Well, and Maggie in this episode in general is actually pretty quiet. Like there's not a whole lot that she does. There's virtually
0: none of her, which I, except get your dad.
1: Uh, exactly like that's really what she's I I, and partly that is I think because she had so much of a role in the last episode but I agree with you I would have loved to see if we had had a scene between Andrea and Maggie or a moment where like that was clocked then like I think we would be also in a very different place yeah I think it's time for the exes to have a conversation with some of the most dramatic staging
0: (laughs) you can you can take the wheel here yeah, this is some
1: of the most dramatic staging and some of the most like overly dramatic dialogue, um, in a great way. In a way that makes me very, very happy because Andrea and Michonne have a confrontation. They go outside for this confrontation, and the first thing that is said is that you've poisoned them against me. Um, and uh, and it was um, it's Michonne who's like, "No, I told them the truth." And Andrea says. I didn't choose him over you. Look, if you all don't want to acknowledge that this is a, like a lesbian love situation gone really bad, then I can't help you. This dialogue is telling us it, it's, it's all there. Like I didn't choose him over you. And then she says, I wanted, Andrea says she wanted a life. I wanted a life. And, uh, and then, and then Andrea also says something to the effect of like, you know, as soon as we got to Woodbury, you got hostile. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when Michonne was like, no, I could see that you were just under his spell and that, that, and that you still are. Well, and from, it's
0: from the second you laid eyes on him. Yeah,
1: it's just like, it's all very dramatic. And like, and then the staging really shifts where like, basically, Andrea is so overcome that she can't hear these onslaughts against her anymore. So she turns her back while Michonne tells her this stuff. Uh, about like uh, about because uh, like Andrea was like I just wanted I wanted everybody to be safe and happy and whatever and like that's all I wanted that's all I wanted and she turns away and we just see Michonne in the background and she says um, I did not realize the messiah complex was contagious. contagious <laughs> motherfucker.
0: I know, I love uh, that. I thought it was so good. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, and then it was just like, it, you know, she continues to talk about how basically like, the governor wanted her to be killed. And this is, I think, maybe when the dramatic turn away happens, that, that like he tried to have me killed, he sent Merle after me to kill me, and that's when Andrea can't take it anymore and turns away because the dyke drama is just too much. And uh, it's all written very well. I'm acting like it's not. It's written really amazingly, but it's just so... It's so, it's, it's just so fun um, to think about this relationship. And then, and Michonne really lets her have it because she also says, you know, you chose a warm bed over a friend. Just so true.
0: Yeah. Cause she ends that with, that's why I went back to Woodbury to expose him for what he is. I knew it hurt you. And I don't think that's totally true. Like, I think she wanted it to hurt because she wanted Andrea to see the truth and like jump ship and apologize. And Andrea can't like, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't think that Michonne went there thinking fully, like, I'm going to burn it all down. Out of spite, I think she's like, I want my friend back. And she was under his spell. And maybe mm-hmm. if I do these things, she'll come back. Like, you know, maybe she'll understand why all of this happened. But Andrea can't. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I did right next to the I knew it would hurt you thing. Um, So gay. Like, it's just so gay. Like, I just knew it hurt you. Um, It's just beautiful. I don't know. I love all of this stuff. It's just really, it's just really well done. No, it's really good.
0: And it's quite economical, too. It's like not a long scene, but it's really well done. We've been waiting for them to have like a real, honest conversation for a long time, and this. And is then fun. what's
1: really fascinating, and I would love your opinion on it, is that like the scene as the scene is ending, so she like Michonne says this thing about like um, I knew it would hurt you, and then like and she says that really kind of coldly, and then they have this moment finally where where Andrea turns back around and and, and looks her in the eye, and then it's like Michonne kind of softens, and it does not a smile, but it's like a sympathetic sympathetic look of some kind that just like that that softens her face not into a full smile but into like not the rigid harshness that it was and I I just wrote my notes what does this look about because it's just it's a very fun look to me but I don't know if you had any thoughts on it
0: yeah I didn't clock anything specific but like just hearing you talk about it I wonder if part of it is this understanding of like I wonder if Andrew is able to read that like This isn't this isn't just that like Michonne hates her guts. It's because Michonne really loved her. Mm -hmm. And these things are because there was something real there. Like, you know, and I wonder if it goes back to this idea of like, you know, I don't know anything about you. And it's like, oh, now I actually do. We had like a real close and deep bond on both sides. It wasn't just me. It was her too. But unfortunately, I fucked it up. But I don't know. I'm spinning here. Um, I like
1: that though. That's a good read of it.
0: And then we're back at the newbie infirmary in Woodbury. <laughs> I like how it's the same room and it's the same spiel of like we'll give you a car in the morning. And the, or what was the like, word? Spiel What was the
1: word. No, no. The you said uh, what kind of infirmary?
0: Newbie infirmary for like newbie new infirmary. Yeah.
1: I did not hear newbie. I couldn't tell you what I did hear, but I was like, what? What is that word?
0: Yeah, but you know, it's like the same spiel that they gave Andrea and Michonne, except they're also throwing in the prison attack. Cause Andrea's like or not Andrea, sorry, Sasha's like, you guys are or I'm not sure it's Sasha, but some they're like, you guys are batting it down, you've been attacked, and they're like, Yes, madmen by <laughs> <laughs> Mad Men have done it. But you'll be okay. Just avoid the area, like, north of 85 or whatever. And Sasha's face when she's like, we just came from there. Like, you know, where she's just clearly like, I'm so glad we were in the area everyone's being told to avoid because it's too bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then they reveal, right, that they, Alan, I think, is the one that's like, yeah, we were at a prison run by a crazy guy. <laughs> like, whack job. Is whack what job. Said uh and they and the governor immediately like freezes and was like you've been at the prison and i just wrote down rick you big dummy these could have been your allies like you know this is the same deal they offered you is like and and they're tyrese when he's talking about the people at the prison is like very circumspect he's like everyone seemed cool until their leader came back and he seemed a little unhinged but everyone else was really fine and the governor's playing it real cool But Tyrese is like, we need a place to stay and, you know, we'll help you. Whatever you need us to do, we'll do it. Just let us stay behind these walls, please. And it is literally the exact same deal he offered Rick. And the governor is playing it so cool, like reverse psychology shit, where he's like, well, no need to make a decision right now. Well, just, you can rest up and, you know, we'll talk about it when you're feeling better in the morning. And he leaves, but clearly he's like, fucking got them.
1: Like... It's so fascinating to me because Milton does also ask in this Mm -hmm. moment. He's like, oh, you've been inside. Could you describe the layout? And he's like pulling out his notebook, ready Mm -hmm. to like, ready to like pencil it all down. Like Milton offers this, like the the governor doesn't do it. But then like the governor's one who's like, no, no, let them have their rest. We'll talk about it tomorrow.
0: catch up on that, you know, when they're feeling better. But it's Uh like, he's like, got him, got him it's over. Yeah, is what he seems to be thinking. But then we go to back to the prison and I love this moment which is Andrea, Carol and little ass kicker and the first moment mm-hmm. of just like this like pride in little ass kicker and Andrea be right and or sorry, Carol is like, "You can't leave without meeting little ass kicker." And Andrea's voice when she's like, "Can I hold her?" is just, you know, This is the moment where it's like, yeah, they've been together a long time. Also, not Mm -hmm. that anyone acknowledged this ever or even thought about it, but part of me was like, this is also Andrea holding the last piece of Shane in the world.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Not that I think Andrea even knew that. Oh, maybe she did. (laughs) Remember, what was that thing she said in season two where she's like, you have everything. Husband, (laughs) baby, boyfriend. Boyfriend. so maybe uh, Andrea is clocking that a little bit, but I don't think so. I think Andrea is like, this baby is beautiful and I'm so glad she lives. Like, you know, I don't yeah. think Andrea is like projecting anything else on that. And I do love her being like little ass kicker. Let me guess. Daryl did this. <laughs> like, yeah. He sure I love did. it so much. Then Carol is walking her through the really horrific circumstances of Judith's birth and what happened to Lori. And, you know, if Andrea had already been convinced that they'd been like tortured and put through the ringer, that just drives it all home.
1: Carol. I, I want to pause real quick yeah. on this one exchange. Cause I just think it's really well written because yeah, I mean like we, we've seen the, the going through the list of the dead before and we've seen them explain death in a lot of different ways, but I really like the simplified way that Carol talks about Shane which yeah. is, um, you know, Andrea's like Andrea's like uh, Rick, Rick. Rick killed Shane, and then she's like, but Shane Shane loved Rick, and yeah. and and Carol says Shane loved Lori, and it was it's just it's really it's really done um, beautifully, um, and that just of course clues Andrea more into like talking about Rick and how he feels and how she feels like Rick has changed,
0: yeah. Well, and this is what I think is interesting, because part of me was like, I wonder if this is a misstep on Carol's part where she's like giving Andrea ammunition of ways that Rick is not to be trusted. But I actually think this is Carol laying groundwork for what she proposes in a minute, where I think it is her being like, Rick killed his best friend in the world who he loved and you can do it too. And I, and I just had a moment of like, what if Shane had been there? Like would, would Andrea have like immediately jumped ship from the governor and been like, here I am back with my people.
1: I think she had the most trust with him for sure. So I think it would have been, it would have been a little bit harder for her to, um to, to, to ignore, I think what was going on. Cause she trusted Shane more than she trusted anybody else in the group. Mm.
0: But then I love this, right. Which is Carol's like, okay, let's not dwell on that for too long. Uh, the governor, you need to do something. And Andrea's like, yeah, I totally agree. That's why I fought my way through the red zone all alone to come here and broker a peace treaty with you people. And Carol's like, mm, not really what I meant. <laughs> like, you need to sleep with him. Give him the greatest night of his life. You get him to drop his guard. And then when he's sleeping, you can end this. Ah! Like Andrea is clearly like, okay, maybe Rick's not the only one getting cold. <laughs> like
1: it's really good. And I mean, it makes me think, too, about, like, how many times did she think about doing this with Ed? I know, to Ed, and- I wrote
0: that down, too, of, like, what... And, and then what's really interesting to me is, like, not only how many times did she think about this with Ed, but also ultimately never was able to do it. And so really interesting to me how she's trying to encourage Andrea to get the strength to do this thing that she never could do.
1: Andrea hearing this and knowing how real it is for Carol, I think actually is the thing that gets through to her. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like, that's the thing that makes me go, Oh, she's actually considering it perhaps in these later scenes versus maybe the first time I watched it where I was like, I don't really know if she's considering it until the last moment. Yeah. But on this watch, I I was like, no, she's considering it the whole time she's talking to him.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is a moment where she's like, this moment where she's like, okay, maybe it's not just Rick that's getting cold and like maybe being crazy. I think this is the moment where she also realizes like, wait, but maybe they're not, maybe Carol's not crazy. And that means Rick's not crazy. And that means that maybe this is a real plan. Yeah. And then that's that's the last thing that Andrea does at the prison. Um, <laughs> they they get her what she needs to get home. I just also want to note, right, this is what I was saying before, that even in this moment where they really do not trust Andrea, Uh, They're able to get her a car and return her weapons to her, both of which are things that the governor will not do. And that even in hostility, they're caring about her safety more than the governor does in, like, his questionable, like, love question mark. I don't know what he would call that. But I do love as Andrea's loading into the car and stuff, Carol is staring at her from a distance like...
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I think for, for Carol, she's like, this is the quickest way for this to be over. So obviously, yeah. you should do this, please. And she's like, willing her to do it. Willing yeah. her to do it with all of her might.
0: Definitely. And like, even, and you know, Rick, like, gives her a real genuine be careful, which I do think is interesting, too. Just that like, there is emotion here even if it's layered with distrust and anger and all this other shit
1: and they watch her go well and she um you know she's like looking through the rear the rearview mirror as she's driving off and then i i also like my last note for this for this scene is that she's actually driving through like the destruction that the governor wrought to their board to the doorstep so like it's also It's it's I don't know if she's clocking it so much in this moment, but it is it it does feel like, okay. this is this is you making this is some decision time because you're now seeing like the destruction that was here. This place actually was livable for a very short period of time until the governor decided that he had to knock shit down.
0: Yeah. And she drives back to Woodbury, which is an equally armed camp. Right. And they seem so incredibly freaked out when they hear the car, probably because most of the people manning the wall are like 14 year olds with asthma and old people um well there's definitely a kid they have a noah
1: i think specifically noah, yeah. they have to yell at to get his gun up because he doesn't even know to do that well, i'm just like get, great yeah
0: to get his gun up but also to duck down like he does, <laughs> he's the only one still standing when the car rolls up uh but you know who is on the wall karen <laughs> and she recognizes that it's andrea and then they all do and it's like oh fuck this is complicated and they get andrea back to the governor who's hanging out in total darkness listening to a tape deck which is a little more normal than staring at his own eye by candlelight. But but like, it's not really not a good a sign time. when you're,
1: when you're sitting in the dark, listening to music. Like it's, it's still not like a good mental health sign. So like, I don't know. Let's, let's
0: yeah. I Andrea know clock this please. Well, and Andrea confesses, <clears throat> sorry. Andrea confesses right away, right. That she was at the prison and then inadvertently, I think, confirms everything the governor needed to know about the prison, which is everyone he wants dead is there. Merle is there. Michonne is there. They're all in one place. And that's that's all he needed to get from her. And I I just am like, you know, the governor warned you not to come back. Like, why did you come back? Like, because she just can't see that that was like a genuine warning. And he seems pretty threatening in this scene. Oh, this is where I also wrote down, I'm like, why didn't Maggie and Andrea have any interaction about this? Even, like, I would love to see an interaction that was Maggie trying to psych herself up to go and talk to Andrea about, like, what happened with the governor and not being able to do it. That's also fine. Yeah. But it's, like, it seems like such uh, an overlooked thing to just be like, well, he did, like, sexually assault your friend. And uh, no one's going to tell you about it. So you won't know that it happened. Like, you know,
1: I 100% agree with you. And I also think that there's something specifically about this scene. And I think like we can maybe have a whole other conversation or maybe it's in this episode about um, seduction as plot anyway, because mm-hmm. I have I have with that usually um, because it's almost always women seducing men and men being like, sure, like, of course. And, and, and then like, that's the only way that women get to have power is like, is through se- in this very specific way. Um, but like the, 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 the vibe of this scene to me also just feels like what they're playing with here is like, oh, he's so scary. And that's kind of sexy. And I just, I have, I have problems with that because I feel like, this is maybe why the first few times that I watched it, it just felt like Andrea was buying into it more than more than I think maybe she is on this rewatch. I don't know. Uh, I don't know your feelings about this scene, but I for mean, me, that's part of the reason why it just sort of like, it feels kind of gross because he is really scary. He's
0: very scary he's and intimidating really scary. in this movie. I don't know. I mean, I'm not great at reading this at the best of times, but I actually didn't read that Andrea was like... Ooh, it's scary and, like, a little sexy. Like, this okay, seems okay. to me to be the first time that she actually was starting to doubt. Like, you know, this moment where it was like, you know, you came back. Like, did they kick you out? Is essentially what he's saying. Like, why are you back here? Did they send you back? And she's like, no, I came on my own. And he goes, because you belong here, and then kisses her. And this seems to be the first time for me where Andrea doesn't see him 100% into it and seems in this moment to like almost understand that oh no maybe I shouldn't have come back but too late I'm here now like this felt like a moment where like they had no chemistry and it it seemed like Andrea was clocking it too as opposed to like overlooking it for storytelling purposes because I I don't don't think that I, I don't think that she was like genuinely like I do belong here let's make out like Did not feel like the vibe. And it didn't feel like she was in this moment, like, intentionally seducing him. Like, it felt like a moment of, like, I don't know what I'm doing, so I guess I'll do this and buy a little time to make a decision.
1: That makes sense to me. I think, I think for me, because there is so much that so much media in general that plays with scary as hot, yeah. um, that
0: I, that
1: like, that I sometimes I have a hard time reading the situation, especially in this particular context when Andrea has already had weird chemistry with him from the beginning where I'm just like, he's so clearly evil. Like <laughs> stop macking on him. Um, and not in a fun bunny and fun, Bonnie and Clyde way, like in a really bad way. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think that the that that context helps me uh, figure out my way to this scene, because I do think it makes more sense if she if she thinks she might try to kill him. Yeah, um, no, I think in, she's feeling in this. conflicted
0: in this moment. And I don't think she's full thro- like heartedly throwing herself into seduce to kill. Uh, okay. But I don't <laughs> think she's like so I don't think she's fully like time to make him so blissed out that I can stab him in the neck. Like, I don't think it's that. But I also don't think it's her being like, wow, I figured out that Rick really is crazy and the governor is right and therefore we should have more sex. Then we're back in the prison and I just wrote, yay, Emily Kinney. (laughs) Like, there's some great Beth prison singing. Hooray.
1: Uh, I think it's so beautiful and I think so I've told you and that I'm, there are so many Facebook groups that just shit on how much she sings in this show and I'm just like, fuck you all. She's got a beautiful fucking voice and it makes total sense for her character. Like, well, I just love I, it.
0: I love in this moment that she's singing something contemporary. Like, I like that she was like, no more sad Irish folk songs. Like, this <laughs> is me singing something because I sense a need in this group and I'm going to do Hold On because it's... I need that. And maybe everyone else does too. And they have no resources and they just have nothing. And everyone seems like so down and numb. And then Beth starts singing and I love it. But of course, Glenn, Daryl, and Rick cannot... Uh... Oh, wait, is it Glenn or is it Herschel? Oh, uh, ooh, I, Glenn, I don't think is in this conversation. No, I think Glenn, Glenn is... is with... Sorry, I wrote that down wrong because I noted that there's a lyric that says, you share my bed, you share my name, and it panned to Maggie and Glenn. But actually, Mm -hmm. it's Herschel, Daryl, and Rick are doing a strategy talk while this all, while the thing goes down. And Rick says, you know, it's just interesting. This is so counter to what Daryl's conversation with Carol was like, right? Because Rick is like, keep an eye on your brother. I'm glad you're back, really. But if he causes a problem, it's on you. Like, what a weight. And I'm sure it's a weight he's had his entire life is like anything that Merle fucks up is going to land on you, too. And Daryl being like, no, I got him. I got him.
1: Yeah. This is also the moment where the group actually comments on the reunion. Um, Daryl says, some reunion, huh?
0: Yeah. Some reunion, (laughs) huh? And I appreciate that Rick actually is the one that's like, she's in a bind. And Herschel's like, us too. Like, you know, I I appreciate that it wasn't because he was like pretty harsh on her when she was there. Yeah. And I like that in this moment when she's not physically present, he's able to acknowledge like, yeah, this is all fucking complicated. And I have a little sympathy for her being in a bind, not enough to affect the way I'm going to work with her, but poor her, because I'm the one that decided not to go back for her. And so I'm the one that left her in a position where she could get scooped up in this way.
1: Uh, and Herschel, Herschel says that, you know, Andrea is persuasive. So that is that is a good thing for her. And I would like you to note, I would like to note that I tried to write persuasive four different ways in my notes, because I could not remember how to do it. Um, <laughs> and my handwriting's wonky. And so that's the only reason I wanted to talk about that line about her being persuasive. Also, because I don't think Andrea is persuasive. So I think that's some bullshit. Uh-huh. Whatever. And then Herschel says, you know, that they're armed to the teeth. So what are we going to do? And Rick says,
0: match it. Yeah, we're going to go on a field trip. Rick's like, I'm going on a run. I'm taking Michonne. And Daryl's like, you sure? And Rick's like, yep. (laughs) And I'll bring Carl. And it's like, oh, my gosh, what's happening here? What is this run going to be?
1: And he says he's ready.
0: He's ready. I know. And then we cut to Carl, who is not listening to the music. He's just pacing the fans. And it's like, yeah, he's ready for what? Like, you know, he's... He's floundering a little bit, but he's ready. <laughs> like, you know who else is ready? Andrea, psych. No, she's not. Um. Yeah, she's laying in bed next to the governor and she's contemplating.
1: Yeah, she gets up from bed. She goes to get her knife, and yeah. she she thinks about stabbing Philip in the brain, and she doesn't. And yeah. like, and this is all like like when this happens when we switch over to Andrea is when we lose Emily Kenny's voice and the yeah. the real singer of the song comes in. So it's kind yeah, of
0: this it fun, out. It's actually it's around this time, but it's also with um we get it a little bit over Carl walking with yeah. himself too, which I think is an interesting choice.
1: But she can't do it she can't kill him and i think part of that too is like is is for me anyway where Andrea is for me right now is that she still thinks she can fix it because the the living in the prison yeah living in the prison would be terrible wouldn't it be better if we could all just get along and be together in this way and it's just like dude
0: dude dude and yeah and that's where we end uh what's in your fanfic margo uh you go first. I was actually writing my real fanfic right up until the time that we met and so I haven't <laughs> thought about my fake fanfic.
1: I haven't thought about my fake fanfic either. I mean, I think like we sort of already talked about like it would have been great to have some sort of thing with Maggie. So I, I think, think like having
0: Yeah, I think that's the only thing that I would want to do is just like really Look at what happens if Maggie and Andrea have a conversation or even just like, what is Maggie thinking through this whole thing? And why don't they have a conversation? Like, is there a way, is there something you could write to explain why no one tells Andrea that her partner is like a rapist?
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense to me. I think another thing that I I am craving because we had this beautiful Daryl and Carol scene um, is I want the scene. So we like we'll we'll link the the deleted scene in the show notes, but. Um, Daryl watches Carol confront Merle um, and I would love it if we got to see the scene that happened after that in which in my fanfic, um, Carol and Daryl will smooch um, and hold each other and love each other and be together. Um, so that is the other fiction that I want is Daryl seeing Carol defend him and he's never been defended before and um, how held he feels so that he can then hold Carol. Yes, that's what I want. Nice. That's my fan fiction. Anything else you got?
0: Nope, I think that's it for me. I mean, I I was going to go in a different direction than you and be like, I want to see the Daryl and Merle conversation after the Carol
1: Ooh. and Merle
0: conversation. Um, that's a good scene too, though. Yeah, well, because I don't know how much of that conversation Daryl heard. He sees some of it. He's quite far away. So part of me is curious about like, yeah, what does he think was happening? Like, you know, what does he get from Merle about what happened in that interaction and how does that make him feel
1: where can people find you Margo
0: they can find me at mconnolly 316 on Instagram and Margo underscore Connolly on Twitter and new play exchange under my name
1: and you can find me at SeeMeSmeker on Instagram. Uh, I am no longer going to be on Twitter. Um, they changed the logo to the X, and I'm officially done. <laughs> By the, I mean Elon Musk. I just can't. I was like, this is all just terrible. It was already becoming a cesspool, and it just got worse and worse and worse. So, SeeMeSmeker um, on Instagram and Threads currently, um, where you can follow us there. Um, Don't DeadPod is on Instagram and Gmail. Um, at Don't Dead Pod, and you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. I think that's it. Yep. All right. Um, well, this episode belongs to the
0: dead now. Yep. Bye.